from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, a land-grant, space-grant, R1 research institution. Learn more at wvu.edu. Good evening on this President's Day from the Capitol Building in Charleston. I'm Suzanne Higgins. On the legislature today, all-day events celebrating the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment, guaranteeing women the right to vote. We'll hear all about West Virginia's suffragists and the need for West Virginia women to engage more actively in the political process. That's coming up. But first, reporters Dave Mistich and Emily Allen join me for a brief news update. Thank you. Yep. Um, Dave, let's start in the Senate finance. It's all about property taxes and then potential repeal of those property taxes. Right. So um, this is kind of a very complicated sweeping um, process or proposal, I should say. Um, I'll talk about this originating bill four first. So the idea behind this is that it would call for a repeal on manufacturing uh, machinery, equipment inventory, retail inventory, and automobile uh, personal property taxes. Um, all told, it would be a six-year phase-out uh, that would be fully implemented by fiscal year 2028, I believe. And once that's fully implemented, it would come to the, uh, a revenue loss to the tune of about $300 million. So a lot of money that needs to be made up. Of course, we've had this conversation over and over. This money goes to counties to fund education and all sorts of other um, needs on the county level. Um, so what they're calling now is for an increase in the tobacco uh, e-cigarette taxes as well as the consumer sales tax. The consumer sales tax would go up by a half a percent from six to six and a half. Uh, tobacco tax on cigarettes is the only one I can recall off the top of my head because it's still so fresh. Uh, would go for about one twenty a pack to two dollars. So this very complicated equation here. Uh, the thing to keep in mind though is that all this this tax stuff is embedded in the state constitution. Yeah. So they can they can they can offer these changes, but they wouldn't be constitutional uh, until, until this joint resolution nine, which would allow the legislature to do it legislatively. Uh, so I, I think that they're, they're sort of, you know, taking one step before needing to take all these other steps. But all in all, it's a very long, convoluted, extremely complicated process. The one thing I do want to add before, you know, I stop talking about all this is that um, there's this, uh, originating bill four would create a special revenue fund um, and with tobacco taxes being regressive and, and less and less revenue coming in from that there were concerns that by the year 2032 uh, th uh, that the special net revenue fund would be um, you know at a def deficit so there were questions this afternoon what are you gleaning from the the questions and the concerns right I mean so you still got the same concerns from counties right they want to make sure that they are taking care of um, you know, this is, you know, uh, I mean, you're hearing questions about this, this, the amount of revenue that would come in from tobacco and when that would go down, what would happen? Uh, just a lot of questions as to like the, the, the long-term sustainability of repealing all these taxes and replacing that revenue. Is this going to shake out? It looks only to be for another, you know, 12 years ahead into the future now. So 
a lot of questions of how this is going to play out into the future. And it's uh, this is a major part of the Republican platform, and it's being only taken up here on day 41. Thanks, Dave. Yep. Uh, Emily, in the House of Delegates, the chair of the Committee on the Prevention and Treatment of Substance Abuse had remarks today. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, there was a bill today. It wasn't necessarily related to substance use. It was House Bill 4387. It would create, um, I might get this title slightly inaccurate, but a donated drug repository program. Basically, um, you know, Delegate Rohrbach, as you were mentioning, uh, Republican, um, was talking about how nursing homes, people, you know, there are all these drugs, they're legally within the domain of the West Virginia Pharmacy Board, but we dispose of them every year when we have no more need for them. So this program would um, kind of create a place in the jurisdiction of the state where those donated drugs can go and they can be repurposed to people um, who can't afford their own prescription plans or, or need them. Uh, here are some remarks from Delegate Rohrbrock now on the House floor before the bill passed unanimously. As you've probably been aware, we have mountains of drugs that are left over in nursing homes, hospitals, uh, and other types of facilities. These are medications that have not left the chain of custody. They've still been under the Board of Pharmacy's control, but now they're just disposed of. This bill is an attempt to try to get these to some organizations that can redistribute them to people in need that frankly are indigent patients or elderly patients that don't have a uh, prescription plan. And so they could get these medications for free or at a greatly reduced cost. So I would ask the members to, to support this, but also as we look forward, this are, these are just things that can help bring the cost of health care down for our less fortunate members. And, and this is a start. I think we've got a long ways to go, but I urge the members to support this bill. And that bill passed 98 to zero, and it's on its way to the Senate now. Um, and we encourage everybody to check our website for this and for these and more stories, uh, wvpublic.org. Thank you both for joining me, Dave okay. Mistich and Emily Allen. On March 10th, 1920, West Virginia became the 34th state to ratify the 19th Amendment, guaranteeing women the right to vote. At the legislature today, celebrations marking that centennial celebration. Randy Yowie shares just some of the day's activities. The 19th Amendment celebrations began on the House side, with the Democratic Women's Caucus rallying on the House chamber steps. Supported by their male colleagues, these elected women called for more action today, including equal gender pay for equal work, reforms in women's health care, and much more, highlighted by a vow to not stop fighting until women compromise 50% of the Mountain State Legislature. Women need to be seen as the equals that they are to men. We comprise actually more than 50% of the population in the country. So we need um, women's voices to be heard. We need more women to run for office and we need more women to exercise the right to vote. You know, we are mothers, we're, we're educators, um, we're, we're, we're going after small businesses, we're, we're, we're in every space imaginable now, nationwide. And that should be lifted up in a very real way here in West Virginia. So we want to make sure that uh, the women, regardless of what, uh, what their dreams may be, whether you want to be a homemaker or you want to work for NASA, that you have absolutely everything you need to survive and thrive here in the state of West Virginia. Portraits of elected and prominent women comprise the West Virginia Republican Party display. Here, these women paid homage to a man 
the state senator from Ohio County, who in 1920 went to great lengths and broke a 14-14 tie to see West Virginia ratify the 19th Amendment. Senator Jesse Block from Wheeling, he cast the tie-breaking vote to give women the right to vote here in West Virginia. As a matter of fact, he sped home from a California vacation when uh, the legislature was in special session here to cast that vote. So we just really wanted to come participate uh, with uh, women from all over West Virginia and to, and to help Secretary Warner, who's leading the charge on this celebration. Lida Shepard portrayed iconic suffragette Susan B. Anthony at her 1872 trial. Nearly 50 years before the 19th Amendment passed, Susan B. Anthony and 14 other women voted in the presidential election and were arrested for violating federal law. Shepard believes civil disobedience still has its place. I think people forget, you know, when we sort of lift up these historical figures, we sort of make it seem like, oh, they just stood up for it. But what we forget and what I think we tried to show today was that she broke the law and she was tried in court. And that that is so much of some of the progress that we've seen as a country is when people disobey laws that they see are unjust. The women representing the nine West Virginia chapters of the Delta Sigma Theta sorority were here to fight for passage of the West Virginia Crown Act to protect from discrimination based on hairstyles. So the Crown Bill is there to protect uh, women of color and actually men of color uh, to make sure that they're not discriminated against for working with their natural hair and they can go to work and school and things of that nature and uh, not be discriminated against for wearing their natural hair. A rally on the Capitol steps showed strength and unity in West Virginia women and men celebrating the 19th Amendment passage with casting and using those votes for progress. The fact that in 2016, less West Virginia women voted than in any other state was not lost on soon-to-be 18-year-old Delaney Wells, preparing to cast her first ballot. So you're 17 now, you'll get to be, what are you anxious for when it comes to making your first vote? Uh, that I won't make the right decision, that I won't, I need to be educated enough about who it is now, like I have to know what's happening so I know what to do, who to vote for, and all that stuff. Event organizers here emphasize voting is not only everyone's right, it's our patriotic duty. I'm Randy Yoey for the Legislature Today. Senator Shelley Moore Capito was keynote speaker at an afternoon ceremony in the House of Delegates. And this evening, West Virginia female lawmakers are being honored at the Culture Center. Earlier today, I spoke with Julie Palace of the West Virginia's Women's Commission and Renata Poor of Kanawha Valley Now. Both helped organize today's events. Ladies, thank you so much for being here today. Lots of activity uh, in, in several spots throughout the Capitol today. A lot of women here today and young women, which is obviously very encouraging. Um, Julie Palace of the West Virginia Women's Commission, let's begin with you some, some uh, thoughts today about the significance of the centennial anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment. Well, certainly we're so excited to be here today. Of course, March 10th, is the actual ratification uh, for West Virginia, but we got to celebrate a little early, and we're here because women in West Virginia traditionally do not come out in droves to um, vote. And so therefore, this year of all years, the centennial right to vote made us really especially want to uh, reach out to West Virginia women, and of course men too, to make sure that they're registered and vote. It took a lot of 
people, men and women, uh, a long time to get uh, to where we are now, and still we have problems with everyone having an uh, opportunity to vote. Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I, I have to introduce our, our woman in period clothing, uh, Renata Poor of Kanawha Valley now, the National Organization of Women, of course. Um, you gave a presentation to the public uh, today uh, about the, the West Virginia experience, the suffragist experience. Tell us uh, tell us about that experience, um, the attitudes uh, about women voting here in West Virginia a hundred years ago. Yeah, so first of all, I want to draw attention to my costume. <laughs> this was what suffragists, and they were called suffragists, wore in, back in 1920 when they were advocating for the right to vote. They wore sashes, they wore black skirts, white blouses, and hats. So, <laughs> so today I put together a presentation on the West Virginia experience with ratification of the 19th Amendment. After the right to vote was passed by Congress, 36 states had to ratify it. And uh, came to West Virginia, the governor had to call a special session in order to put it on the agenda. Well, the legislature was not meeting in 1920 when this needed to pass. And the governor did that and uh, called the legislature into session and on February 27th, 1920, and um, the House of Delegates voted in favor, 40 to 47, and then it went to the Senate where they voted it down. Huge disappointment uh, to the women who were lobbying down here. And uh, so there was one senator missing, <clears throat> and that senator was out in California playing golf. And so they had to get him back here. Of course, it's 1920, there is no air travel. Uh, it's pretty hard to get quickly from California to Charleston. So, uh, but he started and there are, in our, in our state archives, great um, headlines in the Gazette of that day saying, his name was Senator Jesse Block from Wheeling. Jesse Block coming to West Virginia. Where is Jesse Block? Jesse Block seen in New Mexico. Then finally there's a These are the headlines. These are the headlines. Senator Block coming by airplane. Well, you know, there was no airline service, and, uh, but President Wilson had sent a post office plane to pick him up in Chicago. But in the end, he didn't come by plane. Instead, they commissioned a special train to get him here in time. And he arrived on March the 10th, 1920, and went to the old Capitol on Capitol on Lee Street, voted, and West Virginia became the 34th state to ratify the vote. By the slimmest of margins. By one vote. <laughs> by, by Jesse's one, vote. By Jesse Block's vote. Senator Block. And there's, there's some just high uh, drama there in that special session. High drama, great, uh, yeah, great press about. That. And I, I think that obviously reflects that, um, you know, the the attitudes of the day. Yes. Well, you know, there was women's sphere was not in politics, and that was the argument um, across the board. Women shouldn't be in politics. If women are in politics, they can't be in the home, and. It'll, destroy the family and you know all those arguments. And, and you p have pointed out throughout this day that uh, you know 1920 was the um, culmination of 70 years of, of <clears throat> struggling to get this right. That's right and the first women's rights convention was held in 1848 in Seneca Falls, New York and at that convention the people voted to demand the right to the franchise for women in this country. So that was 1848. Then we had a civil war. We gave black men the vote, but not women. 
and uh, then we had another war, and then finally, uh, 70 years after Seneca Falls, women got the right to vote. So that's what's special about this centennial year is we want, as Julie said, you know, we want to encourage women to use this precious right that their foremothers struggled for so hard, gave their lives for, mm -hmm. uh, that women should use this vote. But we also want women to feel empowered. That's if you persist long enough, you know, just persist, 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 you will get where you want to go. Never give up. Susan B. Anthony said, failure is impossible. And we have to just, uh, as she also said, organize, educate, and agitate. <laughs> there you go. So that's what we want women to do. Um, it, we mentioned uh, the, the poor um, woman turnout for the vote. In fact, we're last in the country. Yes. West Virginia women vote have the lowest voter participation in yes. the country. Yes. Julie, why is that? Do we know? You know, I have my theories on that. You know, that traditionally, um, when you rely on other people to make decisions for you, that it is hard to feel supported, comforted, um, given that blazing uh, purpose behind it. Uh, and I think that sometimes, and people have uh, mentioned this, my dad was one of them, we grew up in Kentucky, um, the mountains of all things, that the energy doesn't flow freely, and I know that sounds funny, but it makes sense that there are women who just don't f get all the information they need very easily. We've got now internet, there's a big difference, there's things happening all over the country and the world that and now should make a difference for women who want to use their voices and realize that voting is their voice. If you don't have a community where you go in and you participate in organizations and council and that sort of thing, your vote is your voice. No other people, if you do not talk with them about it, will know how you feel or what you're going to uh, need in your life unless you get out and make your own vote. Uh, Renata, your thoughts on the consequences of West Virginia women not voting? Well, if the consequences of women not voting and voting in for their interests, and women do have some unique interests uh, as mothers, as you know, as as women uh, in the workplace and um, and in terms of health care, they, they have a lot of unique interests. And so if they don't vote, their unique interests aren't going to be become be on the table. Absolutely. Um, let me ask you, in, in one of the rallies earlier today, there was um, there there was an expression that there is uh, voter suppression mm -hmm. in West Virginia. Your thoughts on that? Where is that? Well, I do think that uh, redistricting uh, and um, gerrymandering, et cetera, have uh, long been used as uh, strategies to break up blocks of voting, et cetera. But if we can't, my feeling is if we can't get even women out to vote, the issue is not redistricting. The is issue is women voting. So I'm not sure that that um, plays as much a part as actually just talking to your neighbor and making sure that they're registered, making sure that they have a way to the polls and be there with them when they vote. And what about, go ahead. So we, we don't make it easy to vote in this country. 
and I, there definitely is voter suppression nationally. I'm not sure about West Virginia, but the requirements to, for identification to vote, mm -hmm. the fact that our voting day is not a national holiday. In most countries, it, people vote on Sunday, or the voting day is a national holiday so that people can get to the polls. We make that all very difficult. Now, there is talk about voting online, which, of course, and then there is, the issue is raised about uh, you know, um, security, whether what will happen. So I, I don't know. They're definitely, we definitely make it too hard for people to vote, for sure. Um, are, are we doing enough, uh, say, in the school system to really um, teach this, to, to really mm -hmm. underscore the fact that it's, it's not only a right, it's, it's your patriotic duty to, to vote? I will say that the Secretary of State right now, have, their office has made a huge effort to go out to schools. And by doing so, they have registered, I think the number is 60,000 uh, new uh, uh, student registrations for voting. You can vote in West Virginia online, and at least West Virginia does have give you the day off uh, to vote if you're a, a, state, employee a state employee or teacher. Or, or a teacher, right. But, um, uh, I think um, the, we have a woman, uh, Brittany Westfall, who is the director of elections, and she feels very strongly that uh, students need to learn about this early on so that they're prepared to vote when the time comes. And, and they're educated enough to know that that's their civic duty. And Renata, it's not only um, uh, being engaged in the process in terms of voting, but it, it's always it's also running for elected office. Yes. We have 100 uh, members in the House of Delegates, 15 of whom are female. Um, in the Senate side, we have three female senators. So that kind of that level uh, of engagement certainly needs to be supported and encouraged. We, de we definitely need more women to run. 18 out of 135, is it, is not enough women. We need more women in uh, the legislature, in Congress. We need a woman president. Yes, we do. <laughs> now, I know well, the, the, the West Virginia Commission um, uh, has, has, you know, um, supported uh, certain pieces of legislation, certain policies. Equal pay is one of them. Tell us about that, Julie. Yes. In equal West, pay for equal work. Yes. In West Virginia, we're on the lower end of, we're still about 70 uh, cents on the dollar. Uh, last year, I think equal pay day was April 2nd. So that means it took all the way till April 2nd of the next year for a woman to make as much as a man did the year before. So yes, it's, it's, it's critical that we do, and it's critical for West Virginia. It's not just for women, it's women's families who they take care of as caregivers. It is, as women rise, we all rise. And so it's important more than ever that equal pay, we have the Catherine uh, Coleman uh, Equal Pay uh, Act, we're ask, Fair Pay Act, we're asking uh, for support on, and um, access to health care. Um, education. I'd love to see universal health care and free college tuition in West Virginia because I think the more we can do for each other, the more we can get people to stay here in this state and work together to make it a better state so that we're at the top of the best list instead of the bottom. 
And Renata, um, generally the, the um, influence of, of women on policy, policy development, where have we seen that specifically, say, at the West Virginia legislature in the last couple years, where they've really helped uh, navigate and form important policy? I don't know, Suzanne. <laughs> We're That's a really, well, I know that right is now, a really good question. I know right now uh, there there is an act for um, paid family leave. Yes, um, okay, that's the you. other one this uh -huh. year. So, but yeah. there's still only 18 out of. So you know, I don't. I mean, hundreds of yes. right. Well, and, and, well then, final thoughts. We we only have a, a moment left. Some final thoughts about the upcoming events this year, and you know, the big takeaway of not only um, today and next month, March 10th, but um, the the um, the events that you're sponsoring throughout this year. Renata, start with you. Well, uh, Kanawha Valley now is a grant from the Humanities Council. I always like to thank them at every opportunity to do a number of events and we are we are commissioning a play about the West Virginia ratification experience that's going to be shown done at the Walker Theater in the Clay Center on on uh, June 17th and I hope people will come out it's going to be a lot of fun you know, we're going to make fun of, it's going to be a fun play. <laughs> and Julie, I, I'm, I'm going to have to okay. up, I'm so sorry. And Julie, some final thoughts about about uh, the events coming up this year. Well, we're very excited, culminating in uh, August 26th for actual West Virginia Women's Equality Day uh, when ratification happened all over the United States. And so there are so many throughout the state, so many wonderful events. Uh, we will have parades and uh, Women's Commission is happy to participate in any and all of them, and as many as we can, but today was a big day for us. All right, Julie Pallas of the West Virginia Women's Commission and Renata Poor of Kanawha Valley Now. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you, Suzanne. Thanks. For a full list of upcoming events celebrating the ratification of the 19th Amendment, go to the Secretary of State's website. That address is www.sos.wv. Gov. Tomorrow on the Legislature Today, a conversation on health care policy, as well as coverage of news and activities here at the Capitol. I'm Suzanne Higgins. For everyone here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting, thanks for joining us. Have a great evening.